All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. 
all that info would be put into a, a, a computer program. And back in the day, it was like super basic. And then like you'd hit simulate and it would simulate all the scores and like who won and lost. And we'd be in some like chat room on AOL. Uh, like we were talking about this when we were talking to Tyler the other day when I was up in Edmonton and he was like, what is dial up? And we had to like, <laughs> Dusty and I were explaining to him, like Dustin Nielsen, we were explaining like, dude, like you had to like literally dial in. I was like, like and oh. I was making all that noise. Like a fax machine sound is basically what it's, what yeah. it sounded like. And we'd be hey. in a chat room and whoever had the program, like only one person in the league, the commissioner, he would be like, okay, Colorado beat Philly three to one. And then like, you know, like then it was on to the next game and then it would like spit out a box score onto this website and you'd see how your guys would do. And then that's what I did. Nah, I was a dork, man. a total dork. Well, I still am a dork, but yeah. Dude, I, I can tell you uh, before fantasy, my brother and I, when we were 19 and 21, and trust me, there was no internet even. So we used to play in television baseball and but we would keep our own stats so we would draft a lineup and then when we played so if a guy got a hit you would write down like the little triangle like you're keeping score we played a hundred games one summer and kept track of every stat wow. of every player that's and intense. i crushed him we had this in a, we had it in a in a book and i found it the other day at our at my mom's house in the basement and man i took a picture of it and i was just juicing him i was like dude i won 66 of those games domination oh still wow. the greatest chirp you can ever have over your sibling this many years later is how you kicked his ass that bad in video games that are tracked and another dorky i actually really like um i like keeping score at a baseball game so like, I don't do it. Like when I go to a game or I take my kids to a major league game, like I don't keep score, but I actually find it like therapeutic and fun. Yeah. Lots of people are big into uh, keeping score like that in baseball. That's a, but we did it for that one, man. It was dedication. My parents would just, you know, to get, we were what 19 and 21, I think at the time. And there was lots of competition. And so anybody who played old school in television, what would annoy the guy is when you would hit one down the line, but it would go out of the screen as a home run. It was like the cheapest home run, but it was the greatest if you were the guy hitting it. It was so awesome. 19 and 21. That's kind of old though. Like, weren't you like going out at night? What were you doing then? That, like, well, you know what? Me, though, my, it like, was in the I was like 10 to 15. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe it was 18 and 20, but you got to remember my brother was gone from the time he was 16. So we didn't get to hang out. He was gone from, you know, September until May every year playing hockey. That's so, cool. That was kind of just a few, like we would come home at midnight, Frank, sometimes after playing slow pitch or, and go to the bar for a beer or two, we'd come home and we'd play that till one or two in the morning. Then we'd both go to work the next day. Like wasn't necessarily the brightest thing, but we had a lot of fun. Nice. <laughs> it's kind of the only time we really lived together as young adults. Cause then he was gone, moved playing minor pro and stuff. So it was fun. Um, today we're going to welcome into the, uh, and by the way, we, uh, we recorded this, uh, earlier in the week. This is coming out of course today on Friday with the hall of famer Cameron Granato, as we welcome her to the woodjerseys.com studio. Of course, you'll see the Boston Bruins Jersey right behind me. If you're not watching online, go to woodjerseys.com. You can take your office, your fan cave or any room to the next level. You'll see Frank's the Toronto one. I like when he puts it closer, you can just see how intricate the work is and they've got special ones you can make different ones they've got the kraken they've got i think they're up to 12 teams now they're gonna have most of them done by the start of the season it's awesome so check it out woodjerseys.com our next guest needs little by way of introduction she is a hockey hall of famer a pioneer an olympic gold medalist and the first female nhl pro scout with the seattle kraken also a podcaster 
-hmm. on the bus with Cami and AJ, AJ Maleshko, another trailblazer in the hockey world. The DFO Rundown is pleased to welcome Cami Granado to the show. Cami, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Good. Thanks a lot for joining us. So before we get rolling, tell us a little bit about the Cami Granado Girls Showcase Series in Chicago, September 24th to the 26th. What do you have going on? We've got a hockey our hockey tournament uh, heading to Chicago. We did one um, a couple of weeks ago in Toronto at the Yorkville Canlan Arena, and we had 46 teams. It was so cool to see all the girls back at the rink. Um, it was a great event, and we're bringing that event to Chicago um, on those dates that you mentioned. And I'm looking forward to that. I have a, a special place there, obviously, because that's where I grew up. Um, and just to see the way women's hockey's grown you know, from when I played, I had, there were, there wasn't another girl in the league when I played hockey and I am old. It was a long time ago, but my youth hockey was filled playing with boys teams, but just because they're just, there weren't any girls that played at all uh, in my age group at all. So to see the number of teams and the girls and just the excitement for the sport there, uh, I'm really excited to bring the tournament to Chicago. Oh, that's awesome. 46 teams. That's a lot. In well, that was Toronto. 46 was Toronto. Chicago's uh, still filling up, um, but it's our first year running it as a, as a new showcase series um, that I've been doing with uh, Canlan and CCT, which is part of their organization. And um, just a way to support women's hockey and, and just, you know, show them that I care and I'm, I want to be involved and, and try to get as many girls playing as possible and, and support them in that. That's great. So serious question, like how, how do you make time for all of this? Like, you know, you, you've got two boys, uh, Riley and Reese, and they keep you active. They've got their stuff going on soccer and, and everything else. And, you know, you're working for the Kraken, uh, you know, these tournaments, anything else that you have going in the women's game, like it's, there's so much on your plate. How, what's your secret? How do you, how do you get it all done? I don't have a good secret. I'm, I'm tired all the time. So if you have, if you have a good secret, let me know. I, I feel like the scouting um, for me was like, so it's, it's been such a great fit with Seattle. It's been so much fun there. It's invigorating. Um, I'm just proud to be a part of it. Um, adding all these other little things. I think being back in the hockey world, there's just has been so many opportunities. That I just couldn't say no to when it comes to growing the game. And I feel like um, if I can give back, it's great. It's hard for me to say no to things, but these are things that are super important to me. And I think with the pandemic, we had a pause and, a lot of these things sort of grew from that. So a lot of the, that pause gave, gave light to more opportunity and, um, and that's where it's at it. So, yeah, I'm trying to balance it all. I, you know, there is that guilt once in a while with the, with the kids are like, you're going again. And I'm like, sorry guys, but, um, but no, I'm, I'm really happy to, like I said, give back. And I think we all nowadays are overworked. <laughs> so it doesn't matter what we're doing. There's just so many things we can get involved in. Right. Now, Cam, you mentioned that there's still some spots. If if any of the uh, you know coaches or parents are watching and listening to this pod, and uh, they want their the, to get involved in the tournament, how can they go and get involved? Uh, go to Canland. Just Google Canland Sports. Canland Ice Arena. You'll find the website for Canland. There's a there's a and I can even give give you guys a link, but there's a, a link there to sign up for the can uh, for the tournament. And, um, yeah, you can, you can get involved. And if you miss it this year, we'll be coming. It's we're going to, we're trying to do it annually. So, um, but we hope to see more teams out and Kendall Coyne's going to be there. Um, and Jesse comfort two Olympians, one younger, one veteran, as you know, um, and they'll be there signing autographs. So I'm really excited. 
Now, you mentioned just the growth in the women's game from when you played it, and even in the last 15 years, just how much it's grown in, in popularity. Uh, can, can you give me your thoughts? I know you're working with the Kraken in the NHL, but you know we, we had the, the new name come out here recently in the CWHL, and, and that's good. But ultimately, you know, I've talked to a lot of the young uh, women who are playing today, and, and their main focus is we want one league that has all the best players, just like the NHL. How imperative is that, and how close do you think we are to having that? I think we're closer than I think we're as close as we've ever been. Um, I know there's uh, Jaina Hefford with Billie Jean King and that group with the PWHPA. Um, they've been talking um, about a plan, uh, trying to figure out who it's going to be with, trying to figure out just when the the model. Um, talking to some interested people that want to uh, be in, in the ownership. There's a lot of great. Uh, interest. Um, there's a lot of promise. It's just doing it, doing it right. I know um, the PWHPA and the NWHL, NWHL, which now it's changed their name, but um, there, there's, there's finally talk. Um, there's finally let's let's do something for all, for just for the the game, and that's a really positive thing as well. And I think the goal would be, um, you know, post Olympic have something in place. It, it may be delayed a little bit, but. It, now is the time it's ready. It's just making sure it's done right with the right investors, with the, with the right support um, and the right, just the right actual framework of it and how it's going to work, what teams are going to be, you know, initially started and what's the, what's the projection. And so there's a lot that goes into it. Um, and there's a lot happening right now to think about that, to get, to get it um, up and running. And I credit uh, Jane and the PWHA to be the PWHPA and, and Billy Jean and their group for, for all the work that they're putting into it. Um, and the players too, the players are really involved and that really helps as well. Kemi, not that you have any, any extra free time, but um, are you involved in that, those discussions? Like do they lean on you as an advisor or to bounce things off of? Um, well, I just saw Jaina last week in Toronto when I was there. And so we, we did chat and I'm, you know, I'm close friends with her and, and her wife, Kath and Kathleen Koth. And I, um, yeah, we did, we did speak and and I know a couple of people that really want to get involved as well. So I've met, uh, had a little bit with her. So I'm trying to, to say like, I'll, I'll, I'll I'm supporting it. I'll be involved. I can advise. However, so um, yeah, it, it's obviously very dear to me and I want to see, see that happen. And I do think it will happen. It's just a matter of when and, and how it gets done. What did you think of the latest women's worlds? Obviously playing in August was not everyone's ideal timeframe with it being canceled back in April, but I actually think it ended up working out really yeah. well, just a slow time in the hockey calendar yeah. that we can really finally give uh, the women's game the attention that it deserves. And so I wonder if that's going to be sort of a regular thing moving forward, but just the opportunity to have every single game broadcast on TSN, a big step forward in that way. And then of course the gold medal game, you're wearing your U.S. sweatshirt, uh, a painful loss uh, for us Americans, um, but still nonetheless, yeah, uh, really yeah, dramatic um, and yeah. exciting game. It, you know, it always is. It never disappoints. It's it's crazy over all the years and how how exciting the game is every time in, in those in those championship games. And I think you're right, like having it in, in August, it ended up being perfect because everyone's eyes were on it. People were excited for the upcoming season and the coverage was incredible. I, I definitely noticed because I think they had gone like seven, like, I don't know how many days. It was like over two years without playing. Right. And then mm -hmm. worlds because it was canceled. And and so um, these girls get back on the ice and they put on an amazing product 
And everybody, like the growth in the sport with the PWHPA since then had given some awareness and, and just more, just more eyes on it. Right. And the coverage, they, they spent the money. Like I was really happy the way TSN stepped up and responded. Like they had a studio in rink. They were covering the players outside the arena. They were covering it like a world junior. And I think that's really the, the key because people, it, my neighbor stopped me on the road, this an older man. He was like, that was the greatest tournament I've ever seen. I'm like, well, it's because it was covered so well. And they did a fa- fantastic job and they were educated on the players and they, they treated the players like pros where sometimes you don't realize it, but like as a woman, you feel like people are trying to, it's almost patronizing sometimes some of the coverage that I've mm-hmm. seen in the past. This was like, real professionalism and it was done so well. And, um, and I think it, the girls put on the great show and that the, the overtime too is an interesting one. Cause it was the first time ever that that was played three on three. So that was exciting. Well, so it ends up being a happy accident though, pl- being played in August. Right. Right. Um, like is, does that make sense to you? Like moving forward? Cause just, just in the sense that there's so much going on in the hockey world in general, in April, you've got, you know, teams ending seasons, end of season press conferences, and then you've got the playoffs then go in full steam. And it's like, let's give this the proper attention that it is, that it deserves. Right. I mean, that's not a, a bad suggestion, Frank. I mean, I didn't, I don't know about logistically what that means, like from, from that, that standpoint, but from a, a viewership standpoint, it was certainly well-received. Now, would it have been, had it been back in March anyway, we don't know, but I, I think you're right. It, it was the only hockey being played. Right. I mean, so everybody was eyes were all over it. So maybe, maybe it's a discussion point. And I think you're, you're onto something for sure. Well, it's definitely, you know, you look at it, we can get watered down with too much of anything in any sport and other sports, not even hockey will, will suddenly adjust their calendar sometimes for, for other big sports, just because it makes sense. And then you can have the focus, as you mentioned, Cammy, all on that. And, and the other thing, I, from a competitive standpoint though, every four years, it would mean you would have two major tournaments in a short period of time, because now you had the, the world championships in August, we got the Olympics coming up and I, I can only imagine that. And I know they play games during the year and they see each other, but as you know, like there's just something different about what we call the playoffs and the world championship, and the Olympics are different. And that would mean like, you know, you would have that, that rivalry even maybe potentially more heightened because you're, you're not going from, you know, almost a calendar year, every four years that you're going to go a quicker time span or shorter time span between the two. I just think it might add a little entry because now potentially you could play like three major tournaments in a calendar year. And if they stick with the normal format, it's going to be three major tournaments in like nine months, which would be great for the rivalry. Absolutely. And I, I thought that too, because this is the, these are the teams that are going to the Olympics. These teams are relatively picked, right? So uh, it, it does uh, sweeten the, the game and, it, and the rivalry and and now they're they're back on the ice in a big uh like people are like wanting to see more of it and now they get to see it on the, on the big stage at the olympics so yeah it's great and as a player i know for me like when we played our biggest tournaments were the world championships and the olympics but we only played world championships every two years when it first started and that was hard like you'd have yeah. no major tournament for two years and so where did you play if you weren't playing collegiate and so now the girls that have graduated ncaa or, or college um you know, there, there's more competition. There's more international competition for them to keep, keep things. And then, and then the pro leagues, obviously now with the gap tour with the PWHPA, that's been amazing, but having more competitions for the international is makes it, makes it more exciting too. 
Now, and this one's maybe a twofold question because, of course, you're you're a former player, but you're also now a current scout. So, if I ask you your player opinion and your scouting opinion, I'm guessing it would be beneficial to have, you know, the women's pro league with all the best players from around the world. Like, it's only going to enhance it from a scouting perspective and a, and a competition perspective. Maybe and and probably even more so beneficial to the to the non North American teams because those players will get to play against Canada and American women more often, and that's only going to make everybody better which will then make the world championships and the olympics more competitive 100 percent. that you you absolutely nailed it if you get those players from around the world in a regular pro league with watching the way the teammate their teammates train or watching the way their teammates prepare or watching just or having the ability to be on the ice every day like that and that'd be their job because a lot of these european teams they don't have that's not their main thing that they don't get to centralize you know they just they have a regular job and then they come and you know, maybe stay centralized for a month or maybe even a couple of weeks. So it's really going to change that. And really, I think going to help bring um, some more parity. I was quite impressed with the coverage of the non-Canadian or, or U.S. games. You, you did see, I, I've seen yeah. a complete jump in some of the players. I was really impressed with Switzerland and a couple other teams as well. And I think Finland's, oh, wait, they're, they're on the rise and they look, they look really good as well, but it's just nice to see, uh, the growth and and you're right. A pro league would bring the level from around the world that everybody to play together. It would just, it would make it so much better. Now, Cam, I want to switch a little to your to your current job, of course, with the Kraken as a pro scout. And and last year was a challenge for everybody, specifically in the in the scouting. And you know, you're coming into a new team. How excited are you to be able to go and scout? You know, regularly, like a no scout would be, with a lot more in viewings. How much better was that? And how much of a challenge was it for you last year with so few live viewings? You know what? I I'm excited. Um... I think it's going to be different because I, we've only, our, our scouting, you know, we've only scouted for the last two years without a team. So it was like, you're building this team. There's a lot to cover, a lot to cover. And the first year I got to do a lot of live games. So at least I had that um, as a baseline. So some of the players I had to watch on, on uh, video, I did see them live, which definitely helps. Um, thank goodness for technology though, because if we didn't have that, it would it would have been incredibly difficult to pick a team. You know, we had to see so much video, um, but you know, things did open up at the end and I got back into the arena and, and watched some more live games. And it was a really interesting, um, the whole thing. It was just, it was just so much fun to be a part of like building a team from start. I just never thought I would be involved in something like that. Never thought even that would be a possibility. So I felt uh, really excited and, you know, just to give a little bit of, um, you know, play a little bit of part in that felt really cool. And now that we have a team, now that we know, you know, scouting is going to, I think we, we did so many reps and we had to cover so much ground that I think it's going to feel a lot different. Um, we have less of that now that we have a team, but um, yeah, really looking forward to it. I think fun to see, uh, you know, the guys that are on the roster and the fruits of everybody's labor. Um, you know, it's fun to finally see it. Uh, and it's, I'm excited for the season. You probably undersold your impact a little bit, Cami. I mean, like building an NHL team through an expansion draft, like Ron and his staff were relying so heavily on you and the other pro scouts, Ulf Samuelson, Stu Barnes, Dave Hunter, that whole crew. What what did you learn throughout the process, um, you know, getting your feet wet in the scouting world? Like what's, you know, obviously Ron is, his attention to detail is, is top notch. Like he's, you know, probably one of the most methodical people that I've come across in, in the NHL. What, what was it like being part of that process and, and getting your feet wet in that part? 
you know what? It was really, um, everything felt really natural. I had to be a bit patient with my growth because I wanted to be really, I want to jump in. like and just get as much as I could done, but I, I had to be quite patient with learning. First, I had to learn the league again, my group of, you know, my Pacific division and, and the Western conference, just learn those players again and learn their tendencies. And, and that takes a little while. So you got to be patient with that. And once you learn that, then it's like digging a little bit deeper. And um, the great thing is I had amazing communication, um, great leadership, the vision was quite clear. So we knew what to expect and we knew what they wanted. Um, and then for me, typically, I mean, like for me, I, it was a really easy, I, I won't say easy job, but it was very natural. I've been watching hockey all my life. I've been an, I've been an analyst in my own mind. Um, you know, love, I've got brothers in coaching, Ray's, you know, a TV analyst. I was going to say best analyst in the house. You know, so I feel like, <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I've, I, it's, it was just natural. And, and, and I've been around hockey since I, I was born into it. So um, it wasn't anything new. It was just figuring out how to like, what language we needed to do rep- to um, report and what, and to file and how to, how to file a report and how much data do they want. And, but I had really great, leadership and they were very communicative. So it was, it was a nice fit and it's been incredibly rewarding. And again, yeah, like who would have thought they could, who would, you don't think of an expansion, maybe being in a, maybe a scouting role, but you, I would never thought like we're building a team from scratch and I'm, I'm a part of that. So it was really invigorating and um, really cool. I'm, I'm, I just feel, you know, I feel really happy to have been part of the process and still, we just had our scouting meetings this morning for, for next year. And it was exciting again to, to be back at it. Without giving any details away, what was it like sort of being part of the debate process when you, you know, every, you get everyone into a room and you're debating players merits, how, how was that side of it? Um, at first it's a bit intimidating. I got, I'm not going to lie. Like you're, you're, you got to stick up for your players and, you know, you got to learn when, when to interject and when not to, and, and how much should you, should you got to trust yourself? Um, you have to really trust your your, you know, the instincts that you have. And, and typically I think the first instincts that you have are, are seem like they've been right. Um, sometimes you have to like, you know, I don't know, be very patient with it as well. Um, and not be too quick to judge, but trust the instinct. So there's, there's a balance. Um, but I really like it. I really like it. And yeah, the team was super respectful. Like we all have a great relationship. We did a lot of zooms. We met one time in January, right after the all-star game before COVID hit. And then all of our meetings after that were on zoom. And then it was so great during the expansion draft. Cause we all got together finally again in one room. And it's a lot easier to debate in one room than it is on a zoom. Um, but, but we still, we did tons of meetings uh, doing just that. And I think with the res- everybody has so much respect for each other that we can, we can argue a player, but we don't have to berate each other about it. We just, it's respectful. So Throughout the process, Cam, you mentioned how you, like, like a lot of us, you, you want to speed it up and you want to be quicker. I want to be as good at it as I can right away. Throughout the last, you know, since you've been hired by Seattle, where do you feel like, where did you improve? What was an area that, that you're really good at, but afterwards you're like, geez, you know what? Like I've been watching it as an analyst in my mind, as you said, for a long time. Was there an area of the game or scouting specifically that surprised you in in, in how you had to either learn more about it or in, in maybe change how you used to think about it? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I think I was pretty, um, I was pretty good at just understanding that I was new at it and I had to be patient. So I, I just tried to listen and simplify it and listen to what they wanted and sort of 
verbatim sort of give them if they've asked, you know, a certain uh, request, I would just focus on that. One of the best pieces of advice I got is don't try to watch 20 players or 40 players, like pick five players. And it's like the quality over the quantity. So I, when I started focusing on, I found that I would, I could really start to dive in. And I found the more I watched a player, I'd recognize maybe some more things. Um, it would just dawn on me like, Oh, I've noticed this pattern in a player and this is what they do. And this is why um, I think maybe I surprised myself with defensemen. I, I I'm an, I'm an offensive player. Okay. Um, I never really dissected defensemen other than coming at them on a one-on-one or a two-on-one or something. So it was really cool to learn defensive tendencies. I think I surprised myself with what I could unfold watching D. Um, so that, that might've surprised me, but um, yeah. And I think I surprised myself at how much I actually liked the job because I, I just didn't know what to expect when I started. And I find I, I do analyze things. So it was quite natural to I'm analyzing something I love and know. So it was a perfect fit. And, um, and again, I, w- I didn't beat myself up for, if I look at back some of my reports at the beginning, I mean, they were super patient with, you know, any of us that were new, but they, you know, you're just trying to survive. You don't even know what's going on. You don't even know what to write at first. You go to the game, you're like, what do I write down? Like, what do they want to hear? And then after you do reps, I mean, I've done thousands of reps. Um, they just, it just becomes natural. So it's, uh, it's fun to, to kind of go through that growth process. Now that you've been an official professional scout, can you watch a game just to watch a game or are you now automatically scouting every game that you watch? I'm pretty analytical. Yeah. Yeah. It's just by nature, you go there, you just start to dissect the game a little bit deeper, even, even watching the world championships with the girls, I was doing that. And I was like, I found myself analyzing a little bit um, from the scouting perspective. So yeah, it's hard to take that hat off. Um, I noticed that even like I was watching, you know, youth sports or something, you just, your, your brain automatically starts going, um, in, in that direction, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's just part of the, part of the job, I guess. It's definitely part of the deal. I understand what you're saying. Cause I, I covered all four major sports in the U S here. And like, I, I can't go to an Eagles game or a Phillies game, take my kid. Like it just, I can't become a fan again. And even though I'd really like to and want to, I, I just can't get there. So yeah. I get, I get what you're saying. Um, last one for me, and then we can play a little rapid fire. Um, Big, uh, big summer for the Granado family with Don, uh, of course, your brother coaching the Buffalo Sabres now and, and getting the role. Um, if the Kraken and the Sabres are playing each other, how do you, uh, how does that work in, in your mind and, and who are you rooting for? You cannot ask me that. You cannot ask me that. I, my heart lies in both places. I can't, I mean, my brother, obviously, like I, I couldn't be more proud of him. Um, he's, he's a success story that people should pay attention to because he never gave up on his dream and he faced a lot of obstacles. You know, he wanted to be a pro coach when he was in his you know mid thirties and he got sick and got derailed, ended up having a great coaching career in other, in other um, levels. But to, his goal was to reach the NHL as a head coach. And he finally got there You know, he's in his, in his, you know, early fifties and he's there now. And, um, I just can't, I'm just so happy for him. So of course, you know, I want him to do well. So maybe a good overtime, overtime game would be, would be good, but uh, no, I'm always rooting for Seattle and I'm always going to root for my brother. Uh, But that is an evil question to actually ask me to give the answer to. 
But I mean, it was fun talking to Ray throughout the process because he was saying like the Granado group chat would just be on fire during Sabres games. It was like all of a sudden, like, you know, that's the team that everyone's paying attention to. And, you know, you guys are such a tight knit group that, you know, I know you guys are all rooting for him to get the job this summer. Yeah, no, for sure. We're super tight. There's, there's six of us kids and my parents and um, so there's eight of us in the family and the group text was, we were, we were so excited for him. I mean, I don't know if you know, Don battled a really, really big health scare the yeah. year prior and we almost lost him. And so you go from sitting in his hospital bed and understanding where he was and the battle he had in that hospital room. And then to actually get to do what he's always wanted to do. Like there's even more joy. So we were all even like, it was so heightened. We were all so happy for him. And then he's, um, he's such a unique guy in the way he approaches things like his, he's the, his mental side of the game, the way he can bring out um, the potential in players. I wish that like my kids all had coaches like that and and coaches all had that sort of strength to, to bring out potential. So I'm interested in that side. I love, and for us to be able to hear him then in his conferences and, and just, he, he's, he's got such a unique approach in, in all his press conferences. So we were all over it. Like my dad's like, regularly listen to the radio interviews with him all the time. And yeah, my kids were, they don't watch a ton of hockey because they're soccer guys, but they were coming down to watch, his, you know, their uncle. And it was just a whole family affair. And we're, we're still, you know, obviously very elated for him to start the season as, you know, the head coach this year and just rooting for him all the time. And, and the group texts are great. That's, that's a nice part about technology. We're all apart, but we can all be on, on group texts and, you know, they come through every day. So. Yes, for our listeners, if you haven't read about Don's story, I actually wrote something late last season as the Sabre season was wrapping up. And I spent a half hour with him on the phone. And he's, as you said, Cammy, um, has a really unique approach. And uh, I have no doubt that it'll be successful. So uh, best of luck to Don and the Sabres this year. And uh, Jay, want to rapid fire away? Sure. Cammy, we only yeah, have I one. Have, I, I would just, just start with this. I do nothing rapid. So if it's a long sure. answer, just <laughs> Oh, me. no, no. You know, the great part, we just call it rapid fire, but you we, we've had some oh, really no, long no, answers, no, which is totally quick. fine. So the only rule though, the only rule is you have to answer the question. Now, right. um, I, I don't think any of mine will be as tough as Frank's per se, maybe, but maybe sure. we'd like to have a little bit of fun with it. Okay. All right. Well, we'll kind of start with the with a, with an easy one, Cammy. After a, a long day of scouting or maybe a big win, what is Cammy's cocktail of choice, alcoholic or non-alcoholic, whatever you prefer? I'm pretty lame. I'll, I'll if, especially at night. I'll just go with a nice hot chamomile tea. You know, maybe a little piece of dark chocolate with it. Okay. Yeah. What is uh, Ray Ferraro's biggest beef inside your household? <laughs> um, oh, there are a lot. Your of dog? Beef. There are a lot of beefs. No, it's not the dog. The dogs. No, it's um, it's probably it's it's the boys' backpacks that he they leave in the front hallway for some reason that bugs him so much because we built this really nice mudroom and they don't put them in there. Or it's my me doing something to irk him, whether it's leaving like my clothes all over the closet or just something he's, he's a bit of OCD. So it was, a, it's like the mess, any, any sort of thing that's, uh, you know, messy gets, gets a, a little riled up. Oh, I love it. Now growing up, you mentioned there were six Granado siblings. Who was the most competitive? Oh, we were all incredibly competitive, but I'd say Tony, Tony was the oldest and, um, and he had a bite to him. Uh, so yeah, he was probably the most, but I, I, there was, yeah, 
I'd say we're all pretty dang competitive. So that's why we pushed each other so much, but I'd, I'd give that, I'd give it to Tony. Okay. Now, you know, having two older brothers um, and, you know, any older sisters and younger, your competitive drive, did it start in the basement? And if so, what was the one sport? Was it road hockey? Was it mini sticks? What was it that could ignite Cammy to a point of maybe uh, over the edge? Mini sticks in the basement, for sure. Because we had no holds bar. There were no rules. The only rule was you can't tell your, can't tell mom. So oh. it was like, we had this wall. I remember the wall was like, it was uh, soft. Like there's a give to the wall. So we'd, we'd, we'd always hit each other. And then you could hear the, the light rattling when we'd hit each other. Like it was, it was pretty intense. And um, yeah, that could get me going. Was there ever any fights in oh, mini yeah. sticks? Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I stay, I would say though, my brothers were, were really tough on me, but there wasn't a lot of like full on fist fights. Donnie and Tony got probably those two were the worst. Like they, when they get, when they hit teenage years, like I, I, my poor mom, like they were at it, each other hard. Um, but my, but the, my brothers were pretty good. They, they definitely would beat up on me. Um, but no, no big fist fights with me or anything. It was Donnie and Tony that went, that went ahead. Now, um, I, I read that in 1997, Mike Milbury had offered you a, a chance to come to training camp. Um, ultimately what led you to not going? I think my fear, what was it? I think it was my fear of getting injured at the camp. I was just about to, my dream just came true to be in the Olympics, which is going to go to the Olympics months later. And I just was so fearful that somebody was just going to take me out um, for being there, just being angry that there was a woman on the ice with them. And so I just, yeah, I said no because of that. Um, a lot of the women current and former say if they could, they would like body contact. Do you agree? Or do you think the game's better without legitimate body contact? Um, you know, I was really excited in 1990 when we had the world championships with hitting because I, I started in hockey when we were like, I played band yeah. hockey with boys and we were hitting. And I think my second game I hit, I went to hit this girl from Swiss Swiss team and it was like hitting a brick wall. I like I, she didn't move and I bounced straight off her. And I was like, so jarred. I was like, huh, maybe I don't want hitting in the game because <laughs> I was more finesse and smaller. I think um, I'd say I like the game better without it based on the size, because you've got a lot of girls that you have some girls that could be 125 pounds and some that could be 190. And, and it's a big, this, there's a big discrepancy. You wouldn't see that sort of discrepancy in the men's game as far as the weight. Um, unless you're Chara, maybe, but, yeah. um, but I, but I think that it, it's better without it. It's that, I think what makes the women's game so good is, is the purity of the, there's a flow. There's a really great flow to it. If you had to give me a scouting report on Tony Granado's play, what would, what would be in your report? Uh, the word carve would come up a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he was pretty good with his stick. Um, he was, he was an incredible competitor. Uh, he'd do anything for your team, for his team. Um, whenever there was chaos, he was involved and he played like he was six foot two in a five, nine body, which, you know, sometimes didn't work in his favor with injury, but, um, tenacity would have been a word and, uh, effort. Who was your biggest rival when you played that you literally could not stand? When you play, just simply on the ice, 
like Haley and I, for sure. Haley Wickenheiser and I, we just, every game, head to head, every game. And it was my only stitches I've ever gotten hockey were from her. So, and I'm assuming like it's legit animosity, which I think is great in sports. When did you and Haley become like, where you really respected each other afterwards? Did it take a few years after retirement? When was that where you could sit down and laugh about it? I think in the last couple of years was just, we, we hadn't really uh, seen each other much um, prior to that, but we got in a couple of Zooms together this past year. I've been working in her, with her WICFest uh, over the last few years when it comes to Vancouver. And we did a couple of Zooms just recently and we got on together and the girls got to ask questions and her and I just started laughing about it. Um, but yeah, we, we both, we understand it was like quite, it was quite a real rival and we just did not like each other on the ice at all. And lastly, how many times a year do you have to text Gord Miller to ensure that he's looking out for your husband? You know, I don't have to text him as much now because I just know Gord's got his back. Gord's a good man to, to handle all that. So, uh, yeah, early on, maybe more. But, um, yeah, I, I trust Gord. He knows. And, and it's, it's it's great because not a lot of people have that effect on Ray. And Gord does. So, yeah, he's a good man. And if, what is Cammy Granato's favorite meal to have made for her? Ooh, to have made for me. I would say, mm, trying Can to- try say to those beef me. sliders that I had at your house at that point? No, 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 no. <laughs> no I don't eat red meat. So I would say like some sort of chicken dish. Ray does a good job on the barbecue when he makes chicken, you know, a nice chicken or a nice like maybe chicken, like some sausages or something with, a big salad and I'm a bit boring when I eat quite healthy. So, um, yeah, I think Do you that ever would... have dessert. Yeah. Oh yeah. We okay. all have that. I'm, I'm, I've been more into chocolate than I've ever been. So I do like oh, nice. you know, chocolate. Nice. Or... Well, Cammy, I, I have one last question. Sure. Cammy, what will we see first? A, f a female NHL head coach or a female NHL GM? Ooh, great question. Hmm. First, that's a, you know, Frank, that's a really intelligent question. I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that. I would think maybe GM first, but, but then you think about it. What's to say that there won't be a, a female head coach first. I know, I know there'll be some assistance coming, you know, it can't, it can't be very long. Right. It, so yeah, maybe, I don't know. I don't have the right answer. I hope we see both. How about that? I, I, I hope we see both. And I think we will see both just a matter of when, and I don't know, I would probably lean towards GM if I were answering it myself. Well, I think I, honestly, the, the emergence of a, a single women's professional league is only going to help that because it's just more experience and people who get more experience at any league, they usually uh, work their way. So to me, that's obvious. If you could, are you automatically more in management cami or if an opportunity came for you to be a head coach, would you look at that? Yeah. You know what? I've got my brothers in coaching. I understand what it takes. I, I couldn't do it at this point. Maybe yeah. when my kids are older, um, I, I wish I could like, but I just, I can't sacrifice my family first sort of, you know, raise on the road a lot. They don't need two parents away. So um, in the future, possibly, but I, I do have an appetite for it. Absolutely. Uh, just, you know, the circumstance won't allow that at this point. All right, family first. It uh, sounds like you were raised that way, so it's great to see you continuing that. Cammy, we'd love to have you on the pod. We really appreciate it and uh, continued success uh, this year with the Kraken. And then, Thank of course, you. with your camp coming up uh, next weekend in Chicago. Tournament. I think Tournament. that's awesome. Tournament, yeah. Yeah, tournament's coming up. Yeah, thanks.
That was our big guest today, delivered by DoorDash. Cami Granato, fantastic career uh, on the ice. Looks like she's going to have a great career off the ice. And hey, if you want great delivery, it's easy. Go to DoorDash, get it to restaurants and everything else delivered right to your door. And if you've never tried it, well, now is the best time because if you're a first time user, you get 25% off and no delivery fees when you use the promo code RUNDOWNDD. And uh, Frank, uh, now insightful question at the end there about the, the first head coach or the first GM. Uh, I, I do believe, honestly, that having the women's league is where they're, they're going to be able to, to grow. And it's like anything, whether you're a coach or a GM, you need, you need as much experience as possible. I know a lot of head coaches who went to be assistant coaches and then said, no, I'll go down to a lower level to be a head coach because it's just different and I want that opportunity and I think that's what uh, you're going to need and I think that's what you'll likely see. Well, it, it takes people like Cami and, and like Haley Wickenheiser. You see the work that, that Haley is doing on the ice at the Maple Leafs development camp this week while she's doing rotations uh, in the emergency department in Toronto. Um, and you see the work Cami's doing as a pro scout on the front office side while raising two boys that are you know, traveling around the world, playing soccer, like it, it's, it's incredible uh, the work that they're doing and they're pay, like, just as they did on the ice, they're paving the way for everyone else to hop in and say, I'd like to be a pro scout. I'd like to work in analytics. I'd like to do uh, development coaching. I'd like to be an assistant coach and then work your way up to be a head coach. Like that's how it, it, it works. And it takes open-minded people like, Ron Francis, like Kyle Dubas, to put these people in a position to succeed so that when Cami Granato gets a seat at the table with the Seattle Kraken and is in the debate, she, she's just looked at as anyone else would be around the table. And that's the unique environment that places like Toronto and Seattle are creating because that is exactly how they're viewed. She's viewed as a, the Hall of Famer that has that pedigree and that class and talent. And so, um, it's exciting to see, I think, you know, and then just all the play on the ice, I think will, will help, um, you know, get the answer to that question. And, and I'm fascinated to see. And the part that I didn't answer is I think before we see both of those, I think we're going to see the first ever NHL female official on the ice before that. So mm, there's something yeah. else to think about. I've seen other sports. So yeah, it's only a, only a matter of time for sure. And that's uh, the DFO rundown brought to you by Fantrax. Now, if you don't know what Fantrax is, pretty simple. You played fantasy. Maybe you're in a league with your friends or you want to create your own league. Well, that's where you go to Fantrax.com slash DFO rundown right go there it's simple you can register you can also win an autographed nathan mckinnon jersey but this is great if you're in a dynasty league if you're in a keeper league you're in a redraft league it doesn't matter you set it up at fan tracks it makes your league run better so check it out uh, fan tracks that's f-a-n-t-r-a-x.com slash d-f-o rundown frank have yourself a great weekend we'll talk to you on monday Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash. Hold up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.